Hi, and welcome to another episode of Real Estate with Howard Drukarsh. For those that don't know me, I'm one of the co-founders, along with Arthur Bartram and Ron Petticord, of Canada's largest independent brokerage with 5,500 agents. I've also been a member of the Board of Directors of the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board, the Board of Directors of the Real Estate Council of Ontario, also known as RICO, which is the regulator for all registrants in the province of Ontario, and I sit on the board of the company I co-founded. If you'd like to know more about me, our first episode called Intro is about my journey, my ups and downs, and how I ended up where I am today. This is not your typical podcast, typical, typical real estate podcast. We interview real estate agents, brokers, people in pre-construction. That could be developers, builders, people who market pre-construction, people who sell pre-construction. We also interview lawyers, finance people, media people, and people who are outside the real estate field but just have really interesting stories. And in fact, all of our guests have the same life background. That is, they've had to overcome roadblocks, setbacks, challenges, failures, rejection, but they kept going in a trajectory that took them to success. And for that, they're very interesting guests. My own background is I was a, tw- I was a real estate agent for 20 years. Um, then when I started this company with my partners, as we grew, I was managing our different branches. And for a few years, I was broker of record and president. And one of the things about real estate is the hiring of people. And over the time that I was active in the company, I hired over a thousand people. Uh, the new people were fascinating to me because some of them just had such great energy. I knew they'd do well. And then the transferring agents were fascinating because here are people who joined uh, well-known brands, better than ours, been around longer than ours, but joined us because they saw we were better value for them. So that's my background. But today, uh, I'm really thrilled to have a guest that uh, talks. I guess the thing about our, our relationship, it became uh, an online relationship in a moment. Um, my guest today is Sean McPeak. Um, I met Sean in a clubhouse room uh, two days ago, and here he is a guest on our podcast. Uh, I'm going to read some of Sean's uh, uh, accomplishments. Um, first, the name Sean McPeak may not be as well known in Toronto, but it would be in the U.S. Sean is the founder of the McPeak team, and he's at Sirhant, period, as the company is known. So he's been in the business over 11 years, and he's worked on, uh, on all kinds of globally recognized teams in the high-end luxury field. Uh, he now also uh, he has sold over half a billion in real estate. He works on development of new property. He's had a successful track record of negotiating some of New York's priciest listings. Obviously, that's where he's, uh, he's situated. Prior to that, he was at a brokerage called Halstead and also one called Brown, Harris, and Stevens. He's been ranked in the top 10 and recently won, award, recently won awards for contributions to innovation for the company and the industry. Um, he also has the RIS Media 2020 Trendsetter Award for the work in social media and influencing marketing. Um, in a moment, we'll get back to one of the projects he did because it's fascinating by its name. He continues to innovate at Sirhant. They work on, he and Ryan work on new development, on helping developers adapt to the changing landscape and how to market to it. Um, and he's novel for his use of experimental marketing, social media, and digital channels to increase visibility and traffic. And that's our podcast. Good night, folks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So one of Thanks. the things in here, Sean, is you influenced the dog influencer Rude Boy to star in a viral campaign that led to a sale of a luxury apartment. Tell all of our guests who have no idea what that means. What does it mean? So we met a client 
at a dog cafe in New York City. So the first ever dog cafe called Boris and Horn is actually another client of mine. Uh, is the first cafe where you could bring a dog inside because there's very strict health and hygiene codes okay. here. Uh, <clears throat> so we met a woman and her, and her uh, Boston Terrier named Rude Boy. Uh-huh. And Rude Boy had about 9,000 Instagram followers. And a lot of these dogs at this cafe happen to be dog influencers. But this one had... Root Boy needed to sell his apartment and needed to move on. Okay. And the, the the kind of genesis of this was we were doing an Instagram takeover for a former company, Halstead, and we kind of integrated a dog influencer to that. But then when we found out Root Boy needed to move, we decided to use Root Boy in the marketing. So we made a video about Root Boy moving and also photograph Root Boy in every single every single photograph we took of the apartment and it wasn't a huge apartment but the video ended up going viral it had about forty thousand views within the first three weeks and i did a presentation on the marketing plan uh at the real leading real estate companies of the world's luxury portfolio seminar in barcelona spain uh in 2018 and it was a hit um we you know, we had used different types of influencers to sell real estate in Manhattan and Brooklyn before. Uh, most notably, my partner, Katie Thurber, she sold 117 units in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, uh, using mostly local influencers. So chefs, fashion people, mm. kind of tech people, uh, but more local influencers. And we've, we've had luck just kind of cross-pollinating our brands with different influencers. Mm. And Rude Boy was kind of our first opportunity at that company to kind of set ourselves apart. And we sold a very difficult apartment to sell. There's a lot of problems, but the extra attention from that campaign um, helped that apartment and and really helped with us uh, getting new listings as well. Good for you. You know, uh, I know Toronto real estate is nowhere nowhere near New York, I don't think. But um, what what was the uh, price of that one that you marketed? That that unit, believe it or not, was only five hundred thousand. Okay, so it was so four, it, so it was small. I mean, even in Toronto, I think that would be a small unit. Uh, yeah, five hundred in Toronto right now is generally a one bedroom with no parking, maybe with uh, um, probably with no parking five five twenty five, and it's in the downtown core, uh, somewhere near the subway line. That's what that's what five hundred gets, but. But freehold has gone nuts here because uh, uh, people feel they want to get out of small units and interest rates are low and uh, the increase in value of of homes um, outside the core has gone crazy. People want to get out for a lot of reasons. So what I've understood about Toronto for several years is that it's been a very, very active hot market, short supply. I, right. a lot of uh, pre-construction sales right. um, happening there for, for years now. Now it's even even hotter somehow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, this, this apartment was a very small one bedroom, but, um, you know, we don't we don't hold back for any property. And, you know, we definitely <clears throat> went out of our way to kind of create something special for this. But we had a great collaborator and a great client. Uh, rude boy, the Boston Terrier. Right. And, you know, the, the thing just took off and we've been integrating social media into, you know, social media influencers specifically into our marketing, you know, for about five years, um, heavily. I mean, I, I first started marketing property on Instagram in 2012, 13. Wow. And it's really gotten likes now because it's, it's really spread to all kind of age brackets. So it's um, it's become an invaluable tool for our marketing efforts. 
Oh, great. I mean, you know, the, uh, the, the business has changed even, you know, we talked about in the last 11 years. I mean, the last two years, the business has changed dramatically, right? And, and, yeah. and the consumer has changed. You know, what, what, uh, imp- not what impresses them, but what gets their attention has changed. So the more innovative you can be, the better. Yeah. And the, cons- the consumer has a discriminating eye now. They, they look for the, the Pinterest style photos that, you know, the architectural digest level kind of uh, curation for your listings. Um, you know, if you don't have uh, the right exposure, the right angles, the right staging mm. in your listing photos now, it's like going to the grocery store and looking at like a can of soup with a dent in it or like a ripped label. You're just going to go to the next can of soup mm. and get the one that doesn't look like it has damage. Uh, so even if you, you know, even if the pricing is the same or may, may slightly better pricing, your media presentation could scare that buyer away. That's that's the main difference between when I started in real estate, you know, almost 12 years ago and and now is that back then you could have dark photos, you could have a you know a, a floor plan that was photocopied 50 times uh <laughs> you know which are crucial here in New York, but right. we redraw everything. I mean, we we have a very strict brand guideline and high standards I, I've had for years and it's always been an edge because we're constantly selling in buildings where, hey, maybe the almost identical apartment downstairs or upstairs is on the market. And it's just a you know a handful of things that can set you apart. So we just make sure we're covering all those things. Well, that's great. I mean, you know, huge, huge congratulations to you and to, to that company, because if there's a more competitive industry, I don't know what it is, right? I mean, you know, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I think if you can survive and, and excel, you're doing great. So let me do this. I did mention at the top um, that you're with the Surhant company. Uh, And obviously, Mm -hmm. people watching this podcast are real estate people, I believe, for the most part. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Ryan Surhant has certainly developed a brand. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I'm sure people will be interested in how do you work with him and how do you work together and, and, you know, kind of an inside look at at working at that uh, at that uh, brokerage. Yeah, I, I, I see and interact with Ryan every day. Um, I'm working on several of his projects and listings. Um, you know, um, it's usually not long. He's very big on time blocking. So when I, you know, schedule formal meetings with him, it's 15 to 30 minutes typically. Um, it's direct to the point, but he's always available. We always make the joke that he has clones, uh, because he (laughs) can, you know, kind of be in so many different places so efficiently and, you know, I think the one amazing thing about him when he first brought me in for an interview, I, I hadn't been considering Sirhan. I've been looking for a new company, but I hadn't been considering his company just because, you know, I, I just associated with his old team and it was more junior agents. And, you know, it was a very different structure from what he has right now. Uh, but he, you know, he brought me in and I was I was very taken aback with his whole presentation. Um, you know, there's a lot of value and he's just when you meet him, he's real. He, he researches you. You see, it's just not like a normal brokerage where they're like, tell me about yourself. He knows about you. He does his research ahead of time. Um, I've been in the industry for 10 years. I had some interactions with him, not much. Um, but he was very dialed in when you sit down with him. He is making complete eye contact. He will have, you know, on these initial meetings. I mean, it's a full hour undivided attention. There's no phones involved. There's nothing else. It's presentation. And he's trying to figure out what you like to do in real estate, what kind of clients, price points, areas you like to work in, um, you know, because so he can set you up for success and ultimately build your personal brand, which is, you know, also what he does for his seller like Sirhan clients. So 
Um, it's pretty incredible how individually, you know, motivated he is for, for each of us. Um, I think that's something that would like really surprise a lot of people, uh, working with him one-on-one. Well, good. Listen, I, I think that, that, uh, anytime you can get media attention, you've done something different. Right. And I, and I think, you know, to compliment him on, uh, starting out at, uh, you know, as a member of a TV show and then becoming an icon in this business in very few years, yeah. he, you know, it, I, I think he, his book came, came out and I, is, is the secret he gets up at five. Is that the only thing that makes him different? Uh, he gets up at four. Uh, four? Oh, I, could, I text him at, I, I get up early too. I mean, I text him at like four thirty, and he responds, but, uh, okay. So, he, so let me, um, let me, let me dial was, that, let me dial that back. Cause I, I, I was afraid to say four cause it sounded crazy. So he actually is up at four. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's up around then for sure. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that's a secret to success. I mean, yeah. there's no silver bullet to success in real estate. It's, it's really about the silver buckshot mm-hmm. and there's a lot of things he does, right. But just kind of, you know, he has a couple different like verticals within this brokerage. Um, I wouldn't even really call it a brokerage, uh, a brokerage. It's, it's really a media company. It's his ventures and, and coursework. There's a lot of things that make it special make it more profitable than a normal brokerage. Uh, but you know, he, he's kind of sourced a lot of the best of the best, um, within his team and outside. So he has our internal team. We have very strong ventures group, you know, Ivy league guys. We have, um, you know, amazing digital marketers. We have, you know, very, very smart people who are much more well-educated on these sectors than Ryan is, or I am. And then, you know, he has some more top level people that aren't, I wouldn't say everyday employees that have kind of helped him, uh, deliver his coursework and his branding and a lot of the things. And like, these are like really top level experts in, you know, in marketing and brand building and things like that. So what he's delivering to his sell it like Sirhan course clients and, you know, the, to, you know, his, his brokers and his company is, it was very expensive. I mean, there's a lot of smart people that helped him build what he's built and it works. And uh, I'm teaching a sell like Sirhan mentorship group, very advanced level. Um, most of our members are actually from Canada hmm. uh, and everything I see them doing is working and they're all doing very advanced videos, social media um, campaigns. And I'm hearing success stories week after week in my mastermind groups. So it, yeah, Ryan's an amazing guy and a lot of people have been on million dollar risk listing, but not a lot of people have really done what he's done. The reinvestment of his resources, I think is what really sets him apart. A lot of people, you know, will put it into a new development or, you know, or a listing or, you know, buy a cool car or, you know, a bunch of property or, you know, maybe even start building your own property, but he's put his resources, his time and focus into building out his social media brands and building out these verticals inside this company. And um, that's the difference between Ryan Serhan and everybody else in real estate. Well, you know, it's interesting. When, when, when I do these podcasts, I try, you know, as a thank you to the people who, who come on, I try to, you know, give them an opportunity to, you know, talk about, uh, talk about their, their uh, career or their success and certainly the things that, you know, they have to overcome. But I think in your case, just the fact that you, you are a, a mentor for Sell Like Serhan, that, that's my thank you to you. Because anybody watching this podcast knows that they can contact Sean McPeak and uh, 
and good for you. So let me let me go into all about Sean McPeak, okay? Yeah, sure. Um, in your family background, uh, were there entrepreneurs? Almost everyone I'm related to is an entrepreneur. Okay. So so that that was an easy. Um, yeah, go ahead. I'll give you I'll give you a little history. Actually, female entrepreneurs. Um, my my grandmother, um, who grew up on Long Island, uh, parents are from Ireland. Uh, she started a, a nursing home on Long Island in you know 1953 with my grandfather, um, and operated it until she died in 1996. Um, so she was. Um, you know, my grandfather passed away in the seventies, but she operated for almost 20 years by herself. So she was a female entrepreneur. Uh, my mother's from Germany. Um, her mother was running hotels in Germany, um, you know, in the forties and fifties, um, after world war two. So, you know, she was, you know, pretty serious, uh, you know, she was a pretty serious woman running, you know, uh, businesses even back then where in a country where they weren't very, uh, you know, well receiving of female entrepreneurs. And then my mother and father started a software company in the early eighties. Um, and they sold it in, um, you know, around the year 2002. And then my, my father recently sold a, uh, <clears throat> a company, you know, it was another software company. My brother is a civil engineer. He owns his own civil engineering firm in New York. And, um, you know, my uncle, my cousins, they own breweries and bars. So, entrepreneurship is in my DNA coming from both sides of my family tree. Wow. What a great, what a great way to get started knowing that that's a, that's a career option for you. Good, good for you. Um, what about this? Why did you choose real estate? I graduated college in 2009 um, when the job market kind of went flat here in the U S mm -hmm. uh, I was working in, I was working in it and tech support uh, for a software company. And I was, uh, working from home and it was just making me very unhappy and I would spend my lunch breaks uh, searching for jobs uh, so monster.com was kind of the main job engine back then and that was before really LinkedIn or you know Indeed came on the scene and then I ended up answering I had flipped a few houses with my mother growing up and I've you know I'd always thought about getting my license and really uh you know, doing investment properties and flips is what my goal was eventually once I had capital. And I answered a Craigslist ad in um, New York City. I went to Wall Street and they loved me. And I, you know, started doing rentals on Wall Street in uh, November 2009. So mm -hmm. that's that's kind of how I got into real estate. I kind of backed in a little bit, but there's an entrepreneurial element to it. And I learned a lot and I started watching Million Dollar Listing and HGTV, you know, selling New York. And I sort of just started putting everything together. Well, good for you. I mean, you know, there, there, there's so many ways to get into real estate and, and people that you, you know, you would talk to and I would talk to always have fascinating backgrounds. I mean, you know, the, the, the entrepreneurial one is the one that when I ask the question, because the people I interview are, are generally, well, almost all very successful, I don't think you can do that unless you're entrepreneurial because you got to find a way to overcome all the horrible things that happen when you're your own boss as opposed to an employee. And uh, and you also get to enjoy all the all the wins when you're your own boss. So you know it's a, it's a it's a pretty good uh, background to become a real estate agent, I think. Um, but let me ask you this one, uh, and you've had you know a lot of people who could have influenced you in your in your family and I suppose in your business. But if you had to pick one, who would be your biggest influence? 
I would say my father is my biggest, my biggest influence. Um, he, he wasn't really uh, sold on me uh, being, you know, a real estate agent in New York. Um, you know, he did recognize there were high property uh, values and hence high commissions. Uh, but he wanted me to do something more in the tech space or, you know, enterprise kind of selling solution space like he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he, he's influenced me tremendously. Um, he's, you know, still influencing me and, and pushing me, um, you know, and yeah, I'd say he's my biggest influence okay. business-wise. Okay. Well, it, you know, it, it sounds like he's done well. <laughs> I mean, you've done okay with his pushing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, doing this job, I, you know, mediocrity is, is my mortal enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I couldn't just be a, a typical real estate person. I have to you know, go, go as far as possible. You know, I, I really want to be in like the Ryan Serhant, Frederick Eklund kind of sphere. Um, that to me is, is the only way to be successful is to just to be absolutely, uh, outstanding and, and one of a kind. And, you know, I've, I've done it bit by bit, not as meteoric as, uh, Mr. Serhant, but, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm inching my way up and I'm, uh, I'm drafting on it now. So, well, you know what, it's, yeah. it's probably, you'll pick up so much by just being around that company that it won't be as hard as trying to invent the way, right? Like good for you. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the energy in the house is electric. Um, everybody who works for him is, you know, just a great person. Number one. I mean, he really hires for culture, uh, for people he likes and who he wants to see succeed. And then there's really no weak links in that chain. I mean, a lot of companies you go to, you have, you know, someone here, someone there doesn't like to do their job or, you know, might be unhappy, but everyone is super upbeat. Everyone's in there early and they're usually leaving after seven or eight o'clock at night. Um, it's a very startup type of atmosphere. Um, you know, people are, it's a little bit on the younger side, but everyone has, you know, six, seven, 10 years of experience, even if they're in their just their early thirties. So it's, it's a pretty inspiring place to work. Oh, good. What about this? There, you know, people have various things that uh, are important to their success. Uh, Sean, in your life, what, how would you rank these things? Luck, hard work, or tenacity in your success? Um, I'd say uh, tenacity, um, you know, maybe and tie for hard work and luck. I mean, last year, I think, illustrated that there is a lot of luck involved. You know, the, during 2020 lockdowns, um, <clears throat> I did quite well with deals um, before the pandemic really hit. And I and I kind of had a little bit of foresight in, in January and February about what was about to happen. Um, so I really hustled to get a lot of things in contract. But that being said, a lot of things went quiet no matter what I did in July and June. It was pretty much we were we were almost at zero in terms of deal flow. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really highlighted how lucky I was. I always knew I was lucky. I was lucky. There's a lot, there's a lot of volume in this city. Um, there's a lot of wealth coming in, you know, prices drop. There's always some, there's always a foreign, foreigner ready to come in and, and fill the void. Usually. I mean, we've had Russian waves, Chinese, Indian, you know, there's always someone who's, you know, some, a country that's, uh, you know, having a boom while we're having a bust or vice versa. So uh, I, I did realize that a lot of it is due to luck, but being in the right place at the right time has a lot to do with hard work and tenacity too. Yeah, no, I think the, re- the reason I ask those questions are, it's just the order. I mean, you have to have all of them to be successful. So it's the it's kind of the order. 
Um, mm-hmm. But in your career, because um, nobody gets there, uh, you know, easily, uh, what are what are the challenges that you had to overcome to really get to where you are now? Um, in in my career, I've had to, you know, I've had to deal with some some, uh, you know, team leaders that uh, were, you know, kind of taking advantage of my time, um, who may have not, uh, you know, paid me the commissions I was owed mm-hmm. necessarily. Um, you know, and took advantage of me when I was like weaker financially. Um, I think that was probably, you know, the biggest hits I'd taken. Um, not really understanding human psychology. Uh, in New York, you know, people aren't just motivated by moving or, or money. You know, sometimes they need to feel like they're, you know, the master of the universe. And that's something I didn't understand for, you know, probably like the first half of my career is that you can be manipulated by people for things other than money and you know, and, and moving and convenience and normal things, I think, in other markets um, don't apply here sometimes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just, you know, kind of getting shocked by people's motivations has been definitely um, an obstacle for me. And uh, I'll tell you another story about kind of failure. <clears throat> I started a restaurant here after Hurricane Sandy hit and flooded out a bunch of uh, New York City. And I started a sports bar and we had all different types of hurdles um, to get started. You know, we had water in our pipes, we had in our gas lines, we had, you know, our state liquor authority was very hard to deal with. Our community board was very against us. We never got a liquor license for the sports bar. And I ended up, you know, having to sell it after about a year and a half. But that was kind of like my my uh, big, big failure in New York City, I would say, outside of real estate. But you, you don't. You know, you don't learn um, as much from uh, success as failure. It's always my thinking. I mean, surviving failure is the real, the real lesson. Yeah, I mean, chaos breeds opportunity. That's mm-hmm. always been my motto. Um, you know, I, you know, in the moment it's painful, but I always just kind of look further down the road for, you know, for for <laughs> for sunnier weather. Um, yeah, I mean, especially in New York and, and real estate and sales in general, <laughs> there's a lot of rejection. It's it's very emotionally taxing if you're a sensitive person, and a lot of it is just keeping your antennas up, you know, just getting out of bed consistently on time, and you know, making your calls, touching your people, no matter what mood you're in, no matter how big the deal was, you know, don't don't get sick and stay in bed or lay on the couch or something. You got to get up and just at least at least get get into the office or get get to your computer at a reasonable time and, and just let it roll off your back like uh, like water off a duck's back. Absolutely. I mean, particularly people learned that. Uh, some some excelled and some failed, I think, in the pandemic because there was nobody telling them to do that, right? right. And, and the self-starters just, they, they, they did well because they it didn't stop them. They kept working at it, right? And, yeah. Um, this is something that most agents, you know, have to kind of deal with in different ways. But in your career or with your clients or your career, uh, how important is loyalty? I think it's I think it's very important. Um, I don't think you should automatically assume that everyone's going to be loyal to you. Uh, loyalty is earned, and sometimes people go with a different agent after you've done several years of work for them. Maybe manage your property for them or done some extra work um, in order to earn that sales listing. They go elsewhere, and um, it's not the end of the world. Um, and you should never give up until it's over, even if it's listed with another agent or, you know, you look like you're about to lose a deal. Always just, you know, send one more text, send one more email, one more phone call. 
um, might be the difference, you know, between a deal and not a deal. I've, I've you signed several large deals in the last day of exclusives. Um, so I'm always, always just going to give it one more shot before it's officially done. You know, when, when I was selling, uh, I, I used to keep this in mind that it's not over until the agent gives up. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Right. Um, <clears throat> my friend's a lacrosse coach and he tells his kids play through the echo of the whistle. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, which is kind of funny. I mean, it could maybe it could result in an injury or two, but uh, I, you know, I always felt like in sports, I mean, stopping at the whistle may have hurt me uh, because maybe you thought you heard a whistle, or you know, maybe the ref interpreted the whistle at different times you did. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he says to his players, "Play until I tell you to stop playing, not until the ref tells you, like <laughs> until the, until the whistle." So, okay. um, you know, I think there's some merit to that. Just doing a little extra, you know, don't. You know, don't look back before you're going to hit the finish line. Just just kind of hit the gas and, and just really power through. Yeah, great advice. I mean, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, life, life is uh, is won by those that do things differently, right? It's different ways of saying it, yeah. but essentially that's it. How about this? Uh, and, of sure. course, we don't, here in Toronto, um, because of the pandemic, uh, there has been very little um, meeting people face-to-face. Uh, you know, during the last year. And I'm not sure right. if New York, I think New York has gone through a variety of stages of that. But what, what sets off your BS alarm when you meet somebody? Um, several things. I mean, their, their energy, you know, if they're, if they're a little frantic, if they're pushy, um, you know, when I speak to people or if I'm doing a negotiation or if someone's pitching me, um, sometimes let them fill the, the quietness void. You know, maybe maybe soften your voice and see how they react. Um, if they can't hear you properly, sometimes you just get a lot off somebody like that. Uh, my BS alarm is very sensitive. Uh, it used to not be so sensitive. I had to get, you know, kind of scammed a few times. Um, it happens quite a bit in New York, as you can probably imagine. But the uh, the BS alarm gets tripped up by several different things. Um, it's you know. Uh, specific to the person I'm dealing with typically. Okay. We're going back and forth on, on, you know, how to be successful and it, it involves uh, making mistakes and, and finding a way to survive them. So how about, uh, what's the biggest mistake you ever made? And the reason I asked that, tell us so that the mm -hmm. audience can avoid making the same mistake. <laughs> biggest mistake in real estate. Or anywhere um, or in life could be real estate or life. Uh, I mean, I had, a, I moved in with a girlfriend like five or six years ago. That was a tremendous mistake, um, but kind, <laughs> is, kind is of she... a band-aid for a relationship. I got to say, man, that, that haunted me a long time. Um, Sean, you know, if you're in a relationship and you need to do something, don't have a baby or get married because you think you're going to lose them. Just, you know, let it, let it play out. Okay. So I'm assuming you're not going to send her a copy of this podcast. <laughs> uh, I don't think she watches many podcasts, <laughs> okay. but she's in real estate. All so right. who knows? Okay, now we're getting towards the end because I know you're busy. So let's let me ask this one, and this is really a real, one of my favorites. What's the best thing that people who work with you and know you can say about you? The best thing they can say about me? Yes. Uh, wow, that's a good question. Um, I I think that you know, just I'm a good listener and I'm a, I'm a honest. I'm, I'm kind of no BS type of person. Um, you know, I like to give people the truth gently, uh, but directly. Um, you know, I'm just not a liar. 
Um, I'd rather, you know, bring, you know, uh, you know, be known for my integrity and my honesty than anything. Perfect. Really the best answer. Um, what are the top two things that you care about and the top two things you don't care about? Top two things I care about. Uh, I, you know, I, I care about the, uh, overall state of society. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right now I wish, you know, we can make people happier. I just, you know, try to put out positive energy on, you know, on, on the internet and elsewhere. I wasn't so positive last year. I was feeling pretty down, but I, you know, those are things I care about. I, you know, I, <clears throat> I care about, um, people's like financial kind of health, um, you know, across the United States, especially in inner cities. Um, we're going to be doing a video series about um, helping people, you know, fight off bad appraisals and predatory predatory uh, real estate practices in the inner city. Uh, Jordan March and myself, my partner. Um, so that's really important to us is just kind of helping society um, from a systemic perspective. Uh, perspective uh, financially speaking and real estate wise Um, so just really helping people build wealth and you know people get a stimulus if people get something you know some large you know payment or something we want to help them grow it and hold on to it and not not just blow it and then things i don't really care about um that's a hard one i um you know, I, it's hard. I, I don't care about who the president of the United States is anymore. You know, uh, <laughs> okay. we've heard about that nonstop. And right. there's, you know, a lot of people in real estate that like to talk about it, but it doesn't really affect what we do. Right. Um, so I'm glad that election's over. Um, I don't want to hear about it anymore. I don't really want to uh, discuss anyone's opinions or hear about it. And thankfully, we don't really hear much about it these days. So um, I would say just elect federal elections is something i do not care about all right i'll give you an amen on that one i mean even in canada everyone was glued to the tv until it was over so and now it's uh, it's past i know listen i know you're busy so i'm going to ask you my last question okay if you okay. could what would you tell your 19 year old self buy apple <laughs> okay <laughs> perfect answer Listen, Sean, I really appreciate your time. Um, yeah. you know, I'd love to have you thanks back. Love to have you back in the future as well, see how your career is going. But in the meantime, thanks for joining us. Um, continued success in your in your career and uh, and stay well. You too. And I and I love your intro podcast. And I was checking out your other one before I came on. Um, this is wonderful. Uh, thanks for having me. I'd love to have you on my podcast, Raving About Real Estate. We're restarting that um, in a couple of weeks. We sure. just kind of filmed a couple episodes. So We'll have to have you on to uh, spread the knowledge. So I really appreciate you having me. Listen, love to be a part of that. So I look forward to hearing from you. And uh, listen, it's been fun. And uh, we'll see you in Clubhouse. Yes, sir. We'll be on there. Or I'll hear you in Clubhouse. Right. Thanks, Sean. Have a good weekend. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. We'd like to thank Sean McPeak and you for joining us today. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please like comment and subscribe on your favorite podcast network or on our youtube channel and please tell your friends about us and if you want to reach us directly you can do that either by email info at re with hd.com or on our website re with hd.com thank you and see you next time